Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children, stop walking on eggshells, and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you wanna know the answer, you're in the right place. Hi there, Megan Thompson here with Megan Thompson Coaching, and today we're gonna talk all about what to do when your highly sensitive child or teen tells you that they need a break from you. Now, this could be if they are yelling at you, get away, get out of my room, I need a break, leave me alone, anything of that nature. So if you're parenting a highly sensitive child or teen stuck in the meltdown or shutdown refusal cycle, make sure you stick around. This is what we're going to cover on today's show. So who are we, right? What, what makes me qualified to have this conversation? So here at MTC, we help parents of highly sensitive kids and teens eliminate the daily meltdown cycle in as little as eight weeks, help parents and teens eliminate that shutdown, refusal, isolation cycle that you could be stuck in when your teen feels big feelings and they close you out. So we're going to talk all about what to do to break out of this cycle. We've been helping parents do that for over a decade and, and supporting parents, hundreds of parents internationally uh, do that through this company. And so being able to do that and, and share that with you, myself and my coaches, we see and hear parents talk about this issue six ways to Sunday. You know, parents of two-year-olds saying, go away, mama, to parents of six-year-olds slamming doors, running away, hiding under the bed and even nine-year-olds running out of the house, um, hiding behind bushes, and literally being, you know, having parents having a hard time finding your child. If this is a challenge that you are, are experiencing, then it's important to notice that if your child is running away in that experience, Uh, They might be indicating through their physical body that they want a break from you, but that is really important to understand how, why, what to do about it, right? We're going to cover all the angles. And then obviously, if you have a parent, uh, if you're a parent of a preteen or a teenager, and they're looking at you and they're saying, you can't help, you don't understand any of that, uh, their eyes are wide, or they're just giving you side eye and shutting down, anything like that, right? Any indication that your kid has had enough of you or doesn't want you around, this is what we're covering here. Now, what is the meltdown cycle? What is the shutdown cycle? I just described some of those behavior issues that you could be dealing with, but you're, you're a parent who's stuck in the meltdown cycle. If you're parenting a sensitive kid, kids who feel big feelings, who notice small details, who think thoughtfully and deeply and feel deeply, ponder and may demonstrate that they are wise beyond their years in some circumstances, but then emotionally uh, not matching in their behavior with their chronological age. And then on top of that can be reactive, but also sometimes empathetic. And, And this can be really puzzling for parents of sensitive kids, because if you see that highly sensitive kids can also be labeled as highly empathetic, 
uh, yet you watch your kids scream at your sibling or scream at you, it's really important that you don't attribute that to a lack of empathy. Uh, this is a much more complicated concern, and, and we've spoken about on different shows, I've, I've shared uh, the concept of empathy and um, even uh, psychopathology and, and whether or not your kid is manipulative or sociopathic, all of that. You can, you can search on any of our platforms, whether you're listening to this on the podcast or watching on a Facebook Live or YouTube or our Instagram, right? We're, we are all over the map here in, in terms of social media, and you can find us in, in most uh, main places. And so make sure that you search the platform. Some of those platforms might be a little easier to search. Or tag one of our team members if you're here in our Facebook group and you're, you're catching the show here, and uh, we, can, we can support you in finding the right, uh, the right videos, the right uh, shows to access the previous content we've generated here for you, for, for you to learn and understand that a highly sensitive child is more empathetic and that is different than their ability to share and act on that empathy. Those are two very different things. If your child is stuck in the meltdown cycle, it is highly likely that it is extremely difficult for them to act on the empathy that they demonstrate to you when they are upset, when they're melting down, when they're overwhelmed, right? Uh, and, and so they are unable to be powerful and autonomous in their empathy. And with that being said, the last piece is that your child could be sensitive to subtleties. And your sensitive kid or teen might notice twitches of the eyebrow, itchy scratchy sweaters, but only those uh, bothered by those intense senses or sensations, uh, smelling, chewing, you know, hearing the chewing. Um, the texture, tasting texture of food, etc. cetera. Uh, but highly sensitive kids compared to kids who have more of a sensory processing disorder are more disturbed or perturbed by those concerns, those sensation concerns or subtle concerns when they are emotionally dysregulated, which is why it can be very puzzling as a parent to discern whether or not your kid is highly sensitive. So make sure that you watch all of our videos and, and trainings or listen in on dis, uh, identifying whether or not your kid's highly sensitive, because it's not just about figuring out if they fit a checklist. They need to fit all four cat uh, components of the categories that Elaine Aaron designed in uh, DOES back in the 90s. So. Let's go ahead and observe 1990s. I got to start saying that. <laughs> now that we're in the 2000s, I have to actually name the century what I'm referencing because something is th over 30 years old. Um, I should we should be paying attention to that, right? Uh, the category here. So let's get back to what we were covering, right? Your child is telling you that they don't want to see you and they're in the middle of a meltdown or the middle of an emotional outburst. If your kid is dealing with this and saying things like this or screaming and yelling and kicking and throwing things on a daily basis, it's very important for you to be first and foremost quite clear that that is not developmentally appropriate for any child above the age of two or three, right? You might have heard me say this in terms of daily meltdowns not being appropriate for children ages four and up. And it's also true that if your kid is emotionally out of control in their body, even younger than four, because that's when the, the developmentally appropriate uh, meltdowns need to be subsiding, then that is a very overwhelming experience for young toddlers as well. And you should be staying, you should stay tuned because it's, it's clear that there's some skill sets that both you and your child can develop. Uh, and we've helped parents of even younger children than four uh, address this pattern countless times 
as well. So it's important to understand that this is not a young child problem that we're talking about. It's also not just an older child problem we're talking about. We're talking about a highly sensitive child problem for those highly sensitive kids who are stuck in the meltdown cycle. Now a very subset, 20% of the population is highly sensitive. And then a subset of that is stuck in the meltdown cycle daily, daily or multiple times a week cycle that we, we address here, whether that those meltdowns are focused for you in outbursts, explosions outside of the child's body towards other people or things, or implosions towards themselves, saying things like, I wish uh, I were dead, life would be better off without me, I'm a bad kid, you hate me, I hate you, etc. All of that is internal implosion, okay? Shutting down, uh, teens might uh, not say that as frequently with you, but they are instead just closing you out. Okay, all of that, same thing guys, great news. It's the same root problem, okay? So here's how we fix it. Here's how we address it for this particular issue, right? How, what to do when my kid says, go away, mama, get out of here, right? I need a break, right? I think what's important for us to, to, to clear up as we you know, clearly have described the problem, you have a pretty uh, good idea that you know, you're, you're staying tuned on this conversation because I can describe what is going on in your house, right? We have, a, we have a clear picture of that, right? But let's talk about what's going through your mind. As a parent, right, this can be really puzzling. You can be quite stuck in the experience of wondering that double dutch experience. Should I leave, right? What do I do when, when my kid is kicking me out of their room with their words or with their eyes or with their closed off body language? And, or should I stay? And that double dutch experience of, of not knowing when to jump in and not knowing when to respect boundaries and honor a child's uh, need for space. And, and this can be very frustrating because as a parent, when you hear your child scream at you, you can focus on multiple things, right? You can focus on the screaming and notice that if your child wants something done, that they shouldn't scream for it, right? You, you're gonna, uh, you, can, you can highlight that, right? And that might be one way that you're um, really going down the rabbit hole and trying to figure out what parenting priority you have in that moment. Another parenting priority you might be stuck with is, is noticing that your child doesn't often ask for help. And so if they're sending you away, then this is a problem, right? If, you, if your child often will uh, try to solve things on their own or never tell you about what's going on and you, no matter how hard you try, or pry, or poke, or prod, or ask them how their day was six ways to Sunday. And, and when this is happening and your child uh, says, get out of here, mom, or dad, or, or what have you, caregiver, whoever's in charge, um, that experience as a parent can feel very frustrating because if you know your child doesn't have the skill to deal with that emotion, then you can feel quite compelled to stay in the moment, right? And so this could be something that you might be experiencing. You might be wondering whether or not uh, you should take your child's words at face value. Now, again, we talked about, should I take the delivery at face value? My kid's screaming at me, that's what I need to focus on. Do I take the, and, and that's not appropriate, right? Do I take, the, and that's the behavior you're focusing on. Do I take the skill set, the lack of skill set here, important? my child doesn't have that skill set, then I should be focusing on teaching them that skill set. And that maybe that's the priority that you're trying to focus on. 
you could also be focusing on yourself. You know, we're all human, right? And when our children uh, act in a way that is ineffective and them helping themselves get their needs met, we can, you can, as a parent, take that personally, right? You're, if you're being screamed at and they're saying, get out of here, go away, immediately you can feel hurt or frustrated or upset. I won't be talked to like that, which is similar to the first issue that we just mentioned. Or you can go into shame yourself. And we see this often with parents who, who are parents of highly sensitive kids um, who are also highly sensitive, right? If you're a parent uh, who's highly sensitive, you can feel more prone to shame as well. And so immediately you can go into what kind of parent am I if my kid talks to me like this? My kid doesn't want to access my help. All I do is try to help and, and my kiddo doesn't want my help. I'm and you can move into that shame spiral yourself. With that being said, now, especially within the, in, in conversing with our clients over years, 70% of the clients that we work with are in the helping field. So that's teachers, nurses, doctors, um, therapists themselves. Um, and, and so as experts, right, and if, if you happen to be in that field as well, as we know that many of you who listen to us are in, in the field in some way, shape, or form, it can feel very hard to hear your kids say, get out of here, when you help other parents, kids in your career. You know, maybe you're a teacher and you help uh, and you take pride in, in being the teacher that kids confide in. Or maybe you're a pediatrician and um, you know that you do really well at ma managing emotions in the doctor's office when kids have to take their shots. Or um, perhaps you're a, a physical therapist or or um uh, you know, a, a mental health therapist yourself, right? And so you help other parents, parents of their children, or you help adults manage their emotions, and yet you struggle with your own child in your own home. This can feel extremely frustrating to focus on um, the experience that you have of, of having an identity of being a fixer, a problem solver, somebody who helps solve problems and serves others, and then not knowing how to solve your own child's issues and in that moment, the, the concern in that matter, that moment. And then lastly, we see parents deal with this in, in, um, in a different way, which is basically just saying, oh, okay, you're telling me to leave. I'm going to leave. All right. This is just the way that you know how to say it. And so um, we can see some parents who are trying to encourage their child to ask for what they need. And you can wonder whether or not now is the time to reinforce that. If your child's screaming at you, is this something that I should honor? Because I've been trying to get my kid to tell me what they need for forever. Um, and, and now they're finally doing it, but they're screaming, right? And so there's that torn experience. And if you're parenting in a two-parent household, odds are out of those four options, your spouse <laughs> might have option number five that you didn't even think about, or they're on the other side of the spectrum as you, right? There's a, that pendulum swinging that you hear us talk about, parents of sensitive kids stuck in this meltdown cycle where you, you guys can play that, um, uh, that pattern of just passing the ping pong back and forth. I feel like this um, on this side of the pendulum and 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 they feel my, my spouse or partner feels like this on the other side of the pendulum. And so neither of you are on the same page. It's difficult to to act in the same um, you know towards the same goal when you have different perspectives or interpretations of that experience, right? So why are we covering this? Because your initial reaction is so critical as a parent of a highly sensitive kid. Your initial reaction and what's running through your mind is critical in observing how to respond directly, right? Because if you were parented in a my way or the highway household, 
then odds are you're going to parent like that or the opposite. <laughs> and that's both both of those uh, patterns, the traditional parenting or the opposite of traditional parenting, which is passive parenting. Neither of those are going to work, right? We need to find the middle ground. The middle ground is is observing how your child is is struggling with their gaps in their skills, and then being able to fill those gaps in a strategic way, right? So when we talk to our clients about this, we see clients who who can walk on eggshells, get into that passive experience of parenting and saying, oh, all right, all right, I'll talk to you later. You know, hands up, wave, wave the right white flag. Even when your gut is telling you, they don't actually want me to leave. Or your gut is telling you, they don't know how to handle this, right? One or the other. Um, but you don't really know what how to respond in that way without setting them off, right? And and then on the other side is, is being uh, offended or frustrated that your child hasn't been able to demonstrate use of a skill that you want them to have. Uh, and then going hard on that and just... Um, dying on the sword that day, if you will. And, and um, you might feel regret or frustration after the fact, noticing that that didn't work. Um, or it might be something that you feel so convicted that your child has to learn this skill uh, that you can feel much like the Energizer Bunny, just going at the same problem the same way over and over and over again and hitting a wall and just wondering when you're going to break your kid's wall down. Um, and, and that potentially could be the, the way that you feel really convicted in, in solving the problem. Now, with that being said, I have to tell you that neither of those approaches are getting you to where you need to be. So here's, let's, let's talk about what you need to be focusing on first, okay? When your child needs space from you, it is very, very important that you take a clear look at these three needs, these three um, components to the issue, right? One that we just talked about first, which is the meaning behind your child's words, right? Your child might be saying things like, go away, but what they really could be saying is, I don't know how to deal with this. This, this is so big. I can't handle your words right now. Your, your presence is overwhelming me. Your child might have also had a hard day that day, right? Lots of different reasons why you want space. Maybe, you know, I just mentioned contention in a marriage or in a co-parenting um, partnership, right? And if you are in a two-parent household, then perhaps you could relate to needing space from a loved one ever, right? Um, and obviously, if, if, uh, if that's irrelevant for you, I'm sure you've had times in your life when you've had loved one, uh, adult to adult loved one situations and relationships, and you've needed space from those human beings, right? And so obviously, your child might need, but might be in that, in that uh, moment, you might, it might be relevant to take their words at face value, right? But what's important to observe is the other gaps. Uh, why? Why does my child need space in that moment? Is it because I'm the one overwhelming them? Is it because the day overwhelmed them? Is it because the experience of uh, something very sad or scary or upsetting overwhelmed them and they don't know how to tell me? Is it because they experienced a failure earlier in the day and they don't, they're embarrassed and they don't want to face me because they're worried that they'll just blurt it out and, and then I'll try to help them fix it? and they won't feel validated and knowing how to manage it. All kinds of different reasons why your child could be telling you to, to leave them and, and go away, right? And some of them could be uh, related to rejecting support, um, which is where some of you might feel personally attacked, and, and that could be a challenge that you'll want to manage uh, because it could be accurate. And it's also true 
that when your child is stuck in this experience, what they need is a skill set. This is the next piece that we talk about, the meaning that you're experiencing and what you're creating from this experience and how you interpret the experience is very important because you got to look at the actual facts of what happened, which when you're parenting a kid in a, in a meltdown cycle, it can be really tricky to figure out what is actually bothering your kid, right? So this is a hindsight assessment that you'll need, be needing to make for a while until you start to understand your kid's triggers and patterns. But we can speed that up with, with strategy, right? The first part of that strategy, you've heard me say this, if this is not the first time you're hearing me talk, uh, the first part of addressing the meltdown cycle in the strategy that we tout here at MTC is understanding how your initial reactions impact your relationship with your kid. Because if you're initially offended, if you're initially afraid, if you're initially upset, if you're initially defensive, if you're initially ashamed, any of that experience is going to directly impact your behavior towards your kid, whether that be how you actually act to them, towards them, or how you try to keep yourself from acting from them, to, with them, to them, okay? And so that's really important to understand because when we're stuck in this experience and, and we help our clients break down that pattern over and over again, it's not as simple as like, oh yeah, I usually feel ashamed. This is way more complicated than just having a one go-to automatic thought, right? Like if it was that easy, then it'd be a heck of a lot easier to rip that thought out and, and never have that thought again, right? But um, the experience that you're dealing with, the, if this circumstance is complicated, it's multifaceted because your own human life experience is impacting how you interpret your day and how you interpret other people, right? Perception is everything. And so when you, the way that you perceive your relationship with your kid, plus the way that you're perceiving your kid in that moment is going to impact how you respond to your kid. And the important piece around this whole piece, uh, this, you know, the important piece around this whole dynamic is how that plays into your child's view of themselves, right? Because if they don't feel that they are capable of using any skills that you've been teaching them, then they won't use them. Now, we know for sure parents of highly sensitive kids are the change agents for highly sensitive children. There have been decades of published research on highly sensitive children, on sensitive people, sensitive adults that demonstrate that the parent-child relationship is the only relationship that impacts the experience that children have um, with themselves, right? If you feel like you're a good person and that you feel like you can solve problems, then what do you do? You solve problems and you behave in a way that makes you feel good, right? Now, if your relationship with your parent directly impacts your ability to feel good and directly impacts your ability to feel like you can solve problems, why would we be working on your relationship with yourself without your relationship with your kid? That doesn't make any sense, right? And you you know, the relationship with their parent, I should say. You're talking about having consistent and, and frequent understanding of research by Linehan, Pluis, Aaron, um, uh, Porges and and countless other attachment theorists who who cover uh, the 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 
appropriate understanding of parent-child relationships for children abound, not just highly sensitive children, right? And when we understand the certainty of childhood development and emotional development for, for specifically highly sensitive children, it's incredibly important to understand that for you as a parent, if your child doesn't feel like they will be able to make the change happen that they're hoping to have, they will feel defeated and they will not try. And this is all about motivation. Now, when we think about the understanding of what is important for you as a parent, it's important that you just believe the research, okay? You're going to hear from pediatricians, outside therapists, other parents, teachers, etc., that your child needs to talk to another adult to have an outside perspective that gives them the opportunity to be vulnerable. And that is a myth that goes in direct contradiction to what has been found countless for countless decades for highly sensitive children. It is a very accurate statement for non-highly sensitive children. Non-highly sensitive children are more receptive to learning directly skills that they need to learn themselves, regardless of who teaches them. But highly sensitive kids only change how they feel about themselves and about their world and about what the, what's possible in their world and how to create change in their world by getting their needs met and by accessing help, aka coming to you and saying, I feel overwhelmed, but I need help instead of get out of my room, go away, right? Children in that experience only feel like they can use that skill that I just demonstrated compared to the unskillful behavior that you just heard me uh, mimic. Only do that when they assess that their entire parent-child relationship is more positive. And I got to tell you, you can't do that by dropping your kid off at somebody else's office and letting them deal with it for an hour if you don't change your behavior. I mean, one plus one equals two, guys. This is pretty easy, simple math. And so let's look at what you need to do to shift this dynamic. You as a parent need to take radical responsibility for how you are reacting in your own home. You need to take extreme ownership. We can quote the Navy SEALs about that, of how, how you impact your child's behavior. And then you need to get resourceful. You need to identify specifically what you're doing to perpetuate this pattern of your child feeling like they can't make it happen, right? And, and this component could be very well that you and your spouse or co-parent aren't on the same page, so there's no consistency in the home. It could very well be that you're walking on eggshells, so you're sending the message to your kid that they just can't hack it. It could be that none of the ways that you try to teach your kids skills is playful and in a way that doesn't drill home the fact that they are going to take some time to learn this skill which combats shame, right? And so if you continuously work on issue after issue after issue the, and, and, and try to solve the problem from the crisis of the week standpoint, which is where a lot of professionals will just handle this, then this will all continuously keep you stuck in this, the meltdown cycle. This is why we do things differently at MTC. It's why it works consistently. And we have 98.9% success rate because people who do the work actually get the result. Because it's not that hard, guys. You can make it, excuse me, it's not that complicated. <laughs> it's hard work. But you can make it simple by breaking it down into four parts. And this is what I was, I was speaking about, right? First and foremost, understanding 
step one, how do you play into this? How are you creating the tornado cycle in your own household by running your household as the adult in the household who is not managing your own emotions, who is giving feedback to your kid in an ineffective way, who isn't showing your child how to manage their emotions in a way that actually helps them digest it per the research, right? How are you doing this in a way that makes you feel capable too, right? Are you, are you stepping this up in, in strategic steps and making it playful so it doesn't feel like you're your kid's therapist? Or are you doing this in a uh, confined and uh, we need to talk about it tonight kind of way um, that, that just creates a situation where nobody's happy and, and you feel like the only, the only relationship you have with your kid is one that feels sterile and clinical. Or, uh, and, and then on top of that, you need to be able to be strategic. You can't be cherry picking the, the issues that you're the most frustrated about need to be able to talk to your child and address the main concerns that help them stay out of the meltdown cycle fastest, safest, and where they feel the most capable. And that needs to be, uh, quite frankly, directly assessed by people who have been able to help people out of this pattern consistently. Because today it could be that you're most annoyed that your kid is yelling at you and screaming at you, and tomorrow you're most annoyed that your kid is uh, hitting their sibling. And if you're trying to address all of that at once, your kid's going to feel like they'll never measure up. So you need to be strategic on specific behaviors and you need to show your child that you have the grace to give them the pace that they need to understand themselves and to do better, right? Um, that they are doing all of what they can and that they are working on doing better. Those two things can be true at the same time. And being able to do that in a way that helps yourself not panic that it's not fixed yet because if you're sending the message to your kid that they're broken that is not going to work okay so that's that's all that right sounds simple we can break it down four steps but guess what the fifth step is you need an assessment by a professional i highly encourage you have a conversation with our team because on that conversation we will tell you if this strategy is going to work for you one conversation we're going to get a clear picture on whether or not you're stuck um, where you're stuck if you are stuck, where you want to go, what your goals are, what your specific uh, concerns are, and and what life would be like once you achieve those. Where you know what are your objectives? If your objectives is just to get your kid to show up with straight A's, and um, you know think without you know, and and speak only when spoken to and not be children, we're probably not a fit. <laughs> um, you're gonna need, you know, your kid's gonna need to be able to feel comfortable splashing in the mud and making messes in their own home and, and doing that in a way that doesn't create like broken chaos around, right? Those are, there's some boundaries, clearly. Kids need boundaries. Um, but if your job is, is, you know, to make your kid like shut up or put up, then we're not gonna be a fit. We'll tell you that, no problem. You can find another professional who might be able to um, amuse you. But what with your with those with those goals, but but in terms of being able to to learn how to respectfully understand your highly sensitive child's needs and respectfully support them in growing out of their ineffective skill set into an effective skill set, that is something that we can help you do, as long as uh, we meet we you know we understand the criteria, which is what I'm talking about. That conversation has to happen over the phone. It's not a conversation you can have over a couple of quick text messages or um, something that we can assess over, over a Facebook group or, or a podcast comment or an email. Um, and, and quite frankly, what we do is irrelevant if, if, um, 
if your needs or your goals are, are not in, in the specifically small niched specialty that we have here at MTC. And so we're happy to have that conversation. It's free, it's complimentary, we're here to serve, and we're here to point you in the right direction if your family's circumstances lend you to needing a different kind of help. And uh, like I said before, we have a highly qualified team of coaches uh, with experts in psychology, neuroscience, mindset, and uh, mental health, as well as occupational health, occupational therapy health. And uh, with, with all of that being said, our understanding of this multifaceted issue is multifaceted. So we are happy to tell you if what you are dealing with is not something that is full of our, that is going to fit in our specialty, um, because that's highly important that we stay in our lane. All right. So that's what I've got for you. Again, go ahead over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash talk. Book that call if you're a parent of a highly sensitive child who is in eighth grade or under, eighth grade US or under. And then uh, parents of sensitive kids and sensitive teens, I should say specifically, and you know that your teen is ready for that support or you need help figuring out how to help your teen remember that they're ready to not stop feeling miserable, go ahead and book your call at meganthompsoncoaching.com dot com backslash teen talk and we'll support you in getting your teen ready to show up to that call too and, and we'll have that conversation with parents and teens because teens need to have a say um, and so they need boundaries so they need their, their parents involved as well so happy to have those conversations with you and uh, we look forward to talking to you again on the next show bye Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson. And we look forward to speaking to you soon.